We haven't done this for a while, but I'll see if you guys have a good memory. God is good. And all the time. It's been a great uh, morning already, a blessing to, to be here. If you're visiting, I uh, hope it's been a blessing uh, for you as well to be a part of this church family. Um, we're, we're blessed to have Jess here this morning sharing about the work at the Christian Student Center. And um, there's an awful lot of those intersections that he shared are actually intersections in, in my own life and a lot of faces that I recognize. When we moved back from New Guinea, we were in Cheyenne where three of those couples that he mentioned were uh, attending, including uh, his brother and uh, sister-in-law. And so that was a blessing. I'm also coming up this week on Wednesday, Pedro Sanchez from Santiago, Chile is going to be here. And uh, so I encourage you to be a part uh, of that um, Sometimes I feel like when we get reports, it's a reminder that it really is more blessed to give than receive. Uh, that what we just did in sharing in that contribution is being a part of something much greater, participating in God's kingdom work. Um, and what a joy it is to be able to participate and to be a part of that. And so you'll want to make a plan to be here Wednesday as well, uh, as Pedro will be here sharing with us about the work in Chile. I want you to think about two names and to be aware as I share these two names of your reaction. The first name, Judas Iscariot, and the second name, Simon Peter. What's interesting about these two names is we tend to have a reaction or a feeling as we hear those names mentioned. If you walk around America and you meet Peter, you're likely to meet, meet people. You're likely to meet somebody by the name of Peter. But it's pretty rare that you meet someone named Judas. We tend overall to have a less positive view of Peter. And I guess I wonder as we move into a text that we look at Peter, Peter's life this morning, is why don't we have a more negative aversion to Peter? To this one who betrayed, denied Jesus these three times. Should we be more antagonistic towards Peter? What is the difference between Judas and Peter? And I think a part of the answer revolves around this notion of empathy. Empathy being in who you can relate with or who you can understand when they're coming from. Anytime, whether you're reading a book or you're watching a movie or you're meeting someone new... You are finding certain people that you empathize with. And then there's other people that you do not feel or sense any empathy. Most of us don't empathize with the villain of the story. When Lex Luthor gets what he deserves, when Lex Luthor ends up in jail or he's, he's outwitted once again, nobody feels bad for Lex Luthor. But then there's another character, Curious George. And poor George, he's just curious. He's not a bad little monkey. He just gets himself into trouble all the time. And so we are empathetic towards curious George because we've probably been curious at times ourselves. See, in order to generate realistic empathy, we have to recognize that I have, whether I like it or not, something in common with this person. I believe as we go through our text this morning, Mark 14, 66 and following, that you will find that you are likely empathetic towards Peter 
and that you're empathetic because the Holy Spirit, who's inspiring Mark to write, wants us to feel empathy as we identify with Peter. We noted last week as we uh, shared this uh, introduction to this text that we have again another one of these Mark's sandwiches where he begins one narrative and he tells another and then he goes on to finish the first that he started. And here we have almost a stutter start. Where in Mark 14, 53, we, we find we're going to be learning about Jesus and then the 54th verse we switch over to be told about Peter and what he was doing. And then in verses 55 through 65, we have the trial of Jesus. And then it's not until 1466 that we pick up once again with what's happening with Peter. And, and I think that this is Mark's way of not saying so much that, that it's, you have event number one, you have Jesus there when asked, are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One, that you have Jesus, event number one, followed by event number two, Peter's denial. But this is Peter's way of saying these two things are happening simultaneously. That, that we are being invited to see this as a comparison between the behavior of Jesus and the behavior of Peter. And to ask, what are they doing in the midst of it? And we learned last week, Jesus does make the good confession. He affirms his identity. Even despite all the risk and all the cost associated with it, he says, I am, in response to the question. And so now, we are intrigued to ask the question, well, what about Peter? What's happening with him? Back in the 54th verse, as we were introduced to this beginning narrative of Peter, we are told that Peter followed Jesus at a distance. Physical space will be important as we get closer to the cross. And so we find here Peter's discipleship is one that happens at a distance. So on the one hand, Peter is following him. Just like that original call that came in Mark 1.18, Peter followed Jesus. And yet there's something different about his following now because he's following at a distance. The distance provides that necessary buffer, that necessary safety. If something goes wrong in discipleship, I want to be able to get out of the way. Anytime I am doing a home maintenance project, which is not something I'm very skilled at, my children are often very intrigued at what daddy's doing. And so they will come near and then dad, at some point in the process, will say, kids, stand back, because something very dangerous could happen. And so Peter instinctively knows being near Jesus is risky and it's volatile now. And so I'm going to be at a safe enough distance. If I need to get away, I can. So it's a discipleship still, but it's a discipleship at a different level, in a different way, because risk is very present. We left Mark there in the, uh, Peter there in the 54th verse, warming himself by the fire. And we will pick up once again in 1466. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. And so the first thing we want to compare is those who are questioning both Jesus and Peter. We do know, of course, Jesus is in the presence of the high priest, the chief priest, the elders, and the scribes. Peter, on the other hand, is in the presence of a servant girl of the high priest. One of the ways that you could imagine this is like one person standing in front of the principal in the principal's office, and the other is outside in the yard with one of the classmates at four, that's in four grades lower than you. 
or perhaps it's one person talking to the police officer with the badge and the gun and everything, and there's somebody else talking to a little kid who got a little junior detective badge on his chest. One has an awful lot more risk if you misspeak. And so there in front of the servant girl, one who has very low social power and influence, she notices Peter warming himself by the fire. And she said to him, you also were with Jesus, the man from Nazareth. And is there by the fire's light, she recognizes Jesus. What is unknown is the level of whether it be accusation or inquiry. If we had inflection, we would know. She said, hey, aren't you one of those guys who was with Jesus? Or you are one of those guys with Jesus. It means something very different. What level of accusation or inquiry is there? We're not certain about that. The other thing that we're not certain about is what power she might have had. If Peter said yes, was there anything she could have done to somehow hurt or harm Peter? And yet Peter senses this as a very risky question. And it's a question not about the identity of Jesus. Jesus was asked about identity. Here the question is about association. Hey, you were with him, weren't you? In fact, if we remember well, back when Mark first gave us the expectation of disciples in Mark 3.14, the very first thing they were called to do was to be with him. And now the question is, hey, aren't you one of these people who are with him? Now we remember just a few hours before Peter had said, even if I need to die with you, I will do that. And so this is a much smaller request. We're not asking for a life. We're asking just for a verbal affirmation. Yeah, I was one of those guys who was with Jesus. And so what does Peter do? Verse 68, but he denied it saying, I do not know or understand what you are talking about. Peter uses two words that describe knowledge. One is very general, the other personal in reference to Jesus. It is possible that this could be translated as, I don't know what you are talking about, or I don't know who you are talking about. But in whatever case, Peter is doing his best to just simply redirect, to brush off this question. And so we have in the first denial, this is the most, um, the most indirect in terms of Peter's response and he just says, I, I, I don't even know. I'm kind of confused. What are we even talking about here? And he hopes the whole situation will die out there. But Peter is aware that he's at risk. And so what does he do in verse 68? He went out to the forecourt and the cock crowed. Again, movement is important. Peter followed at a distance. Jesus is there in the very middle of the house. He was in the courtyard and he senses his risk. And what does he do? He retreats now to the forecourt, a place that is further away from Jesus and thus is more safe for him. And the servant girl in verse 69, on seeing him, began to say to the bystanders, this man is one of them, but again he denied it. Now we have the audience shifting a little bit. The woman now not directly addressing Peter, but she's addressing those around and saying, hey, hey guys, I think this guy was also one that was with him. And so Peter is overhearing it. And Mark, it seems like at first, is just giving us a more benign denial. But again, he denied it. But what we will find is that this is, in fact, an intensification in Peter's denial of Jesus. First, the situation itself has intensified with now more people getting brought into the discussion. It becomes more risky now for Peter. But Peter in his response, the first response was in the aorist form saying he denied it, a past tense statement, as if this is something that he did. But now in the second denial, the, the Greek word has changed to an imperfect form, 